Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. Well, greetings, church. Greetings, my brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We do praise Him. We do exalt Him because He has overcome. He's defeated the grave. He's reigning and ruling, even over the world today. It's been uh, quite a few weeks, uh, quite, quite an amazing, uh, difficult few weeks around the world. Not only the war in, in, uh, in Israel and in, in Gaza, not only in that part of the world, but other parts of the world that aren't getting the attention uh, from the media. Things are tough all over in a, in a variety of ways, and it seems like there's a, a whole, whole litany of evils that are taking place and uh, terrible things in this world that uh, we wonder how it's going to turn out. We wonder how things are going to come about to a good end. But we trust that the Lord Jesus Christ is reigning and ruling, that He is on the throne. And that first song we sang, He is the Lord. He is the Lord over all. And we worship Him and praise Him today. So we come today uh, as His people. We come as His, his uh, people that He's redeemed, the people that He's called to be His. And we worship Him today. Please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, in a a world where we don't know what's going to happen or we don't know what's going to transpire, we remember that we are called to overcome. We're called to keep the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1. And God bless the reading of His Holy Word. To the angel of the church in Sardis, right? The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember, then, What you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come to you like a thief. You will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, they who walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I'll confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What a letter to the churches. What a letter to us. The Lord Jesus Christ has commissioned John to write to the churches, to write to the angel of the church in Sardis, with a devastating, a devastating letter, but a call to repentance, a call to be, return to the Lord Jesus in faithfulness and truth. When do churches die? How do churches get to the point of being dead? When do people leave the Lord Jesus Christ? When do people stop having faith? In him, how, how does that come about? How does that transpire? We have a church uh, of, of the seven churches that are, are mentioned, the ancient churches in what is now modern-day Turkey. Sardis is the one that's the worst. They have, uh, they've had a history of, of loving the Lord. They have a history of worshiping the Lord. They've had a history of, of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But when Jesus meets them in this letter, they are described as being dead. 
We live in a country where there's a number of institutions that started off Christian. I was born in a, in a hospital in, in Bismarck, North Dakota that had Christian in its name. A certain denominational hospital that started off with a vision of being a, a hospital that would serve Jesus Christ by healing wounds and delivering people from sickness. Over the years, those names have gone away. Uh, we have, we've had a number of churches uh, in, in our country, but the, the institutions, hospitals and, and schools, we've seen it over and over again through the decades. Uh, a, a group that started off with a passion to serve Jesus, a passion to exalt Jesus, a passion to glorify the name of Jesus Christ uh, in, their, in their business or in their, their service, their love of people. And over the decades, they've departed from Jesus. They've stopped serving Jesus. They've stopped doing business in his name. You, you can list off college after college, uh, school after school, institution after institution. Uh, whatever happened, whether it was a drift from Jesus or a, a radical choice to not be Christian anymore, we have in our country tens of thousands of institutions that are no longer walking with Jesus. They are dead in their service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live in a day and age where there's been churches that uh, maybe for centuries were alive and bright, pursuing Jesus, witnessing to Jesus, sacrificing for Jesus, suffering for Jesus, that he would be lifted up, that people would be sought they would be saved in his name. I grew up in a, in a first season, um, when I was a little kid, grew up in a United Methodist church, baptized in that church. I remember just as a little kid, before my parents departed that church, it was, it was full. I, I remember the laughter in the, in the pews, those old wooden pews with that old wooden floor, just how people would... Uh, they were there for each other. They, they seemed to love one another. They seemed to be loving. As they sang out to Jesus, it seemed to be a love. But that church is no more. Over the, over the decades, the politics took over, or the worldliness took over, and the desire to serve, uh, to, to be, to be rep, uh, acknowledged by people, to, be, to fit into culture, to, to deny the, the word of God. Church is falling apart. A dead church now. How many, how many tens of thousands of other churches in our, in our nation have departed from Jesus, either through drift or intentionality? Maybe you know some people that started off well with Jesus. Man, they, they heard the gospel. They received the gospel. They came to faith in Jesus Christ, and they were on fire. They, they, they loved to worship Jesus. They, they gave their life for Jesus. They obeyed Jesus. They witnessed to Jesus. But now, they want nothing to do with Jesus. What happened? How did that happen? How did that come about? Was it a drift? Was it a choice? I don't know. The call to Sardis is a call to a church that is, in Jesus' eyes, in the, in the eyes of the Father, is is dead. But notice it's a call to return, a call to faith once again. Uh, we've noticed as we've studied these, these different churches in, the, in the, the letters to Jesus that there's oftentimes in the beginning of these letters a characterization of Jesus, a, 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 an attribute, a quality of Jesus that's brought forth to speak to the needs of the church. If you notice in verse 1, uh, Jesus says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Uh, in, in weeks past, we've, we've looked at that quite, quite closely. The seven stars, uh, the angel of the church, the set, remember the seven lampstands, the church belongs to Jesus. He has the church in his hands. He has a tight grip on the church and the servants in that church, whether it's a pastor or elders or, or a literal, literal angel. He's in control, in other words. He's in, in power and authority. But then there's the, the other saying there, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God. 
which is, which is rather mysterious and, uh, and deep. The seven spirits of God are there seven, several, seven angels before the throne, seven spirits of somehow that, that God controls, seven in the, in the book, wholeness, completeness, um, not lacking anything. I think this is a reference to the Holy Spirit. If you look back in, in chapter 1, verse 4, as we think about our theology, our, our understanding of God, uh, Jesus introduced, or, or the, the author John introduced this book by saying, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, uh, and notice, notice the theology here, the Father, Son, and, and Spirit just laid out. Grace, in you, grace to you and peace to you from him who was and who is to come, who is, who was, and is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before, the, before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Uh, we see that several more times in the book of Revelation that between the Father and the Son is, is the Spirit that connects the Trinity together. Uh, the sevenfold Spirit, the seven spirits of God, uh, it's, it's simply just a reference to the, the magnificent and mysterious and, and awesome Holy Spirit of God who is perfectly able to accomplish anything. And it's an encouragement to, to, the, to the church that that awesome unity of the Spirit, that incredible Spirit of God is, is under Jesus' control. Jesus sends forth, the, sends forth the Spirit into the church. And if that church has the Spirit of God in its midst, nothing is impossible. If the Spirit of God is working in that church, it's not hopeless. The Spirit of God is at work. We trust the Spirit of God is at work here today, calling us forth, calling us to be His people, convicting us of sin, calling us to worship the Lord, serve Him with our life. But the church in Sardis, Jesus approaches them, and He, as we see again and again through this, this passage, this letter, He gives them a, a word of commendation. And yet, look at what He says. Is it a word of commendation or condemnation? I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Some of your translations, it says, I, I know your deeds. You have a name. You have a name in the community. You have, you have, a, you have a reputation in the community. And, and the reputation is that you're alive. And he talks about deeds and works. Remember in Thyatira, uh, Jesus knew their, their, their deeds of love, like how they love people. How they, uh, he knew their deeds of service. He, he knew their deeds of perseverance in the faith, how they, they, worked, they worked out their faith. Um, here, Jesus, the best thing that Jesus can say about the church in Sardis is, you had a reputation once, but no more. Think about that. There's a time when that church in Sardis, man, when they got started off, they, they were on fire for Jesus. They were serving people in Jesus' name. They were loving one another in Jesus' name. They were sacrificing of their time, their energy, their, 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 their finances, their gifts in Jesus' name to, to bring the gospel to others or to, or to meet needs in the community they were a church that was alive in terms of their deeds and their works and their actions. You've seen, you've seen Christians like that before. Man, they're just alive. Everything's about Jesus. Everything's about seeking His glory. Everything's about serving people in His name. Uh, you notice in this text that the, 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 there's this, this word play on the name. Uh, the ESV, when it, when it translates, you have this reputation. The literal saying there is the name. And throughout the text, it keeps talking about the name. The name represents everything about a person. In the Old Testament, sometimes the demons, and sometimes in the New Testament, they, try, they, they claim the name Jesus, or they speak the name Jesus as if, if they knew the name, like they knew the personality, they knew the character, somehow they would have control over Jesus, which was false. But the name represents everything about a person, the character and being, uh, their beliefs, their, their values, everything. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. 
right? We're, we're, we're asking things, is it in alignment with your, with your will? Is it in alignment with your truth? Is it in alignment with your teaching, Jesus? I want to I ask this in your name, Jesus, because your name represents everything that you are. And so, and so it's, 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 I can't put it into words really uh, too well, but when, when Jesus says to them, you used to have a, a name. Your name used to be my name. It used to be about me. It used to be about glorifying me. It used to be about my character and, and my deeds and my works. It used to be walking with me in, in this life, but, but no more. The people used to talk about you, about your love for Jesus, about your witness to Jesus, about your sacrifice for Jesus, but no more. Now, if people saw you as I saw you, Jesus says to the church in Sardis, they would say you're dead. Now, we, we, we look at this and, okay, it's a dead church, move on, but they're, they're not literally dead. There's people in the church that are alive. They've been born again by trust in Jesus. They've been regenerated. They, they've put their faith in Jesus and they're walking with Jesus. They used to be dead in their sins and trespasses, but now they've been made alive through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, but the problem is they're, they're not living it anymore. They're not walking in Jesus' ways anymore. They're not obeying Jesus anymore. They're not a people of Jesus, in fact, anymore in their practice. What, 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 a, what a harsh word. You look at some of the institutions around, and how do they become institutions you know, churches sometimes, you, you look at churches, and, and man, there's a season maybe where they're, they're cresting, like they're alive for Jesus, or, or certain businesses, or nonprofit organizations. Man, they're pushing on Jesus. They're, they're, they're like everything, taking the name of Jesus to the world. We're going to win people to Christ. We're going to, as Jesus came to seek and save the lost, we're going to seek, save the lost by his power, in his name, by his gospel. And, and then over time, they don't anymore. Like they build buildings or they, they get into a rhythm of, yeah, my parents started this church, and uh, my parents are passionate, I'm not so passionate. Right? They, get, they get, sometimes churches move from first generation zeal and zest and power, and then they move to second and third generation, and the second and third generation, yeah, I grew up in that church. I went there because of my parents' faith. I, I never really owned my own faith. Or, or maybe it, it goes like this, like, well, yeah, my parents started that church. I, I was pas they were passionate. My uncles, my aunts, whatever. They, they, the, the community that we served, we really wanted to reach them. But now it's just about keeping the lights on. Just, just, we, we have to keep this memorial kind of thing going for the purpose of my parents. Or, right? There's, there's not an ownership anymore. There's, there's not a, a living for Jesus anymore by the people anymore. And when that happens, when a church moves from fire and, and loving Jesus and, and living the life for him to a, let's just maintain this institution, something's happened. Uh, do we just come to church to go through some motion? Do we uh, tell people we're Jesus people just for the sake of saying that because that's our tradition, because that's how we grew up, or is it true are we a people of Jesus or not? Uh, the church in Sardis, uh, who knows their, their journey, we, we don't know. Was it something that over the years, like maybe they, they, they were fired up for Jesus, maybe they started having kids and, and maybe they didn't pass on the faith to their children. Maybe they, they were fired up for Jesus, but maybe they started businesses or they, they took over their family business and they got so enmeshed in the work and the labor of running a business that Jesus became secondary. Maybe, maybe they, they drifted into like, man, I'm tired of, as a minority. You know, again, they're in a bigger town and a very small church. I'm tired of being persecuted because I claim the name of Jesus. Maybe it's easier. Maybe they drifted into like, maybe if we just don't talk about Jesus, don't make a big deal. We can have our own personal faith at home, but we can't make it public anymore. Maybe it was just a capitulation, a, a compromise that started them off on a drift, a slippery slope to maybe they woke up one day and they weren't serving Jesus anymore. They weren't loving Jesus anymore. They weren't uh, following Jesus anymore. They were just going about their paying the mortgage life, 
They're going about taking the kids to practice life. They're, they're going about vacation. What's the next vacation life? They weren't living for Jesus anymore. And Jesus here calls them out. Yeah, you used to be on fire for me. You used to be living for me. You used to be following me. But now I see just, um, you're not. And I'm going to call it out and I'm going to say you're dead. What? what? I, I, you know, there's a part of me like, I wasn't really excited about, in, in one sense, uh, this, this sermon today because um, there's, there's a part of me like, everyone I'm going to be preaching to, they're not dead, <laughs> is my assumption. Because you're here. I, maybe that, that's maybe a wrong assumption. Maybe you're watching online and, and maybe you're, you're here, so to speak. You're, you're with me, but you're with the Lord and you're following him. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here like man, you, when I'm talking about what you used to be and who you used to be and how you used to love Jesus and how you used to serve Jesus. May, maybe as I'm talking, maybe you're saying, man... I've fallen a long way, a, a long, a far away from where I used to be walking with Jesus. I used to witness to people about Jesus. I used to share my faith, but I haven't done that in a long time. I used to sacrifice financially to see someone come to Christ, but I haven't done that in a long time. You know, the price of candy these days, you used to see how much it is. I can't afford that anymore. I used, to, uh, I used to go on mission trips, or I used to try to, to, to share the gospel with my neighbor. I, I'd love my neighbor and invite him to dinner, but I, I haven't done that anymore because my own house is, is so, so important in my own yard. I, maybe, you're, maybe you're realizing that, remember the church of Ephesus when we studied that a, a little, wet, little while ago, Jesus said, you've fallen from your first love. Remember, remember the height at which you used to love me and serve me and witness for me and seek to exalt me, but you haven't done that in a long time. Isn't it, isn't it kind of wild how we can, for a season, be so zealous and so passionate about our faith, and in other seasons we can find ourselves just, well, just going through the motions or not going through the motions May we find ourselves in a time of just giving up and not doing it anymore. If that's you today, and again, maybe my presumption, sometimes I think I, I, I know who I'm talking to, but maybe, maybe I'm talking to people here today that you've fallen far from Jesus and you're no longer walking with him in, a, in any practical purpose. Maybe your life has revolved around, again, money or, or mortgage or business and uh, Jesus is way, way down in the list. If, if that's you today, this, this message is for you. Repent. Come back to faithfulness to Jesus. Come back to living for Him. Uh, Jesus in verse 2, uh, He uses a metaphor there, a, a, a call, a clarion call. A, it's, it's, it doesn't seem to fit the context, but the, the exhortation is, Wake up! Wake up. Uh, some of your translations say, be watchful or be alert. It's both a call back to faithfulness, but it's also a warning. Uh, the warning is this. It's found in the history of the, of the, of the town. Uh, I, was, I was really intrigued to find out that by the time of Jesus, uh, Sardis had already, it was, was already 1,200 years old. Already 1,200 years old by the time of Jesus. A long, long history. Of course, the church wasn't there for that, that length of history. There, there was a Jewish contingent there for hundreds of years. But, uh, but there's a long, long history. Uh, over the, over their, their season of time, the, the town itself ebbed and flowed. In the 6th century BC, it was one of the most important cities in the world, at least in the Roman world. Uh, Sardis, uh, the warning about waking up, Jesus knows their history, and so he, he's, he's using a particular call to them that they would resonate with. Uh, Sardis was known for uh, being this impenetrable kind of acropolis, this, this castle-like place that nobody can break in. In ancient days, it was said that uh, Sardis is safe. Sardis, it's as secure as Sardis was the saying. Because of the natural features of the town. See, they built a town in this, uh, this kind of this, this fortress. There's these giant rock walls on the north and the east and the west. That uh, vertical walls just hundreds of feet up. 
that, uh, and they built the city within these walls. And so it was, it was impossible to take them by surprise, so they thought. The only opening to the city was to the south. As the centuries, as the town grew, they, they planted a second city outside of the, the fortress walls. But, but they thought in, in certain times of history that they would be safe, that nothing could penetrate them. And, and, and hence uh, Jesus' warning, because in 549 B.C. and 216 B.C., guess what? The sentries fell asleep. The guardians who were supposed to be on the walls watching even the rock walls that no one would climb over, they weren't watching. They were slumbering. Twice in their history. Now you can, you can, you can understand like uh, 300 years in between, they might forget the first time <laughs> what happened. But uh, enemies uh, of Sardis had uh, rock climbers. They climbed over the wall. They went down in the city. They opened the gates and let their, their, their forces in. And they, they destroyed the city twice because they weren't alert. They were unwatchful. And so Jesus says to the church in Sardis, Are you watching? Or are you asleep? Have you let unfaithfulness to me creep in? Have you let the world take you and lead you into its values, into its ways? Or are you alert? Are you awake? Guarding against the attack of Satan, against the lies of Satan. Are you awake? Awake, alive, are, are, are you tuned in to what's happening? Um, because if you fall asleep, you might be destroyed. And, and the, the metaphor, the analogy, the picture is, is that the church in Sardis has stopped following, following Jesus. They, they've, they've fallen asleep to the urgency of living for him. They've fallen asleep, as it were, to walking with him as their Lord and Savior they, they've stopped obeying him. They've, they've stopped exalting him. They've stopped witnessing to him. And again, we, we don't know the exact why. Was it the persecution? Was it the ease? Or was it a choice to sin? Man, it'd be easy to go with, like my neighbors and live like my neighbors and sin like my neighbors. Why should I follow Jesus? He'll understand. Asleep. Dead. In terms of activity. Uh, it, I have to say it, I don't know. Is that you today? I mean, I'm assuming that it's not because you're here, you're seeking Jesus, you've come to worship the Lord Jesus. Jesus has invited you to join Him today, and you're, and you're here, but I don't know. I, I don't know your story. I don't know your history. I, like Sardis' history, when did the church start? There was a time that they were going after Jesus. Man, they, they, they were... They were the people of Jesus. They had the name. They, had the, they, they were trying to live the character of Jesus. They were trying to live the fruit of the Spirit. They were trying to live in love. They were trying to, to meet their neighbor's needs. They were, they, were, they were sacrificing to see their neighbors come to Christ. What happened in, in your life, in my life? Has, has the world taken over? Have we started, to, instead of Jesus' values in terms of his characteristics, have we, have we started to live by the world's values and, and its desires? Or are we still walking with Jesus. I don't know. I don't know your story, but if, if that's you, if you're far away from Jesus, who moved? If you're far away from Jesus, if you're no longer living by His commands, by His teachings, what happened? You know, it's easy for us in our little subculture, our little Christian ghetto, to maybe um, talk the talk. Or, or maybe think about, you know, just in general, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm, 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 I go to church once in a while, I tithe once in a while, kind of a thing, and, and I'm, I'm there. But what would Jesus say? Does he see someone of zeal? Does he see someone who's purposely following him? Purposely choosing to obey him because he's the Lord? Or does he see someone who's just uh, going through the motions or someone who's asleep to his lordship? So, so he says to them, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Again, there's, there's so many illusions that Jesus, he knows the, the city inside and out. Uh, in, in Sardis during Jesus' day and towards the end of the first century, there's a number, uh, historians note that there's a number of unfinished projects. 
Like they started something, but they didn't complete it. There was this massive temple that they'd, they'd, they'd started building for one of their local gods, and they didn't finish it. And so, so Jesus says, hey, I've seen your works, and, and you know, I see some things that are happening, but it's like you stopped. You, you, you gave up. Uh, I've not found your works complete. When he says, in the sight of my God, uh, the Apostle John, if you've read through the Gospel of John before, Jesus, the way that uh, John talks about Jesus, the way he remembers Jesus, the historical accounts of Jesus, Jesus is always talking about, I can only do what my father's told me. My father said to do this, so I'm going to do this. Right? And so the same kind of lingo, the same kind of language comes through. My God has found your works incomplete. It's, and the idea is, man, you started well, but are you going to finish well? You started walking with Jesus, but something's happened where you've drifted away. Get back to it. Come back to Jesus. Finish the labor to the very end. Don't, don't be a, uh, someone that uh, started but couldn't finish the race. Uh, your works are incomplete. Uh, you know, what's happening now, the habits, the patterns, the ways of living that you used to live in, it's about to die. Your, your works are already dead, but there's certain things going on in the church that if you don't, if you don't turn it around now, it's, it's going to be a, it is going to be a funeral. Verse 3, remember then, look at the verbs here, uh, past tense, present tense, the imperatives. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. Just like in the church of Ephesus. Remember the height from which you fall. And remember you fell from your first love. And what did, what did the, Jesus say to the church of Ephesus? Repent. Remember. Repent. And so it's the same thing we, we do every Sunday. We remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. We remember. We, we consciously remember that he died for our sins. He died to pay off our debt. He died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, he's living, he's the, the one in all authority and all power. We remember, we consciously remember that the only way we're going to live is through Jesus Christ. The only way our sins are forgiven is through Jesus Christ. We remember that the only way we're ever going to get to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ. We, we consciously remember uh, to Ephesus, to Sardis, maybe to you, maybe to this church. Maybe, maybe we're at a place in our journey where we become comfortable. Maybe uh, it's, it's easy to come to church and see the brethren and, and just, hey, how's it going? How you doing? Let's, uh, hey, we kind of love one another, but I don't really know you. You know, there's not any. Are, are we comfortable? Or do we remember? He says, remember where, how it started. Remember how the church got going. Remember as you first came to Christ. Remember your zeal, your zest, your love of people. Remember how you sacrificed to follow me, how you sacrificed to obey me, how, how you, were, you didn't care if you, you lived or died, you didn't care if your reputation was drunk through the mud, you didn't care what people called you, you loved me. Remember, and so we, we take in stock where we were so that we can get back to it. And when it says the, 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 the action there, remember how you received and heard. So the gospel is preached to them. Uh, Jesus' teaching came to them. They, they, they received it in, in the biblical euphemism of hearing is doing. Remember how you received and you did it. Like you heard the teachings of Jesus and you followed it. You obeyed it. Remember back then? Like you were like my disciple. You used to have a testimony. Used to be, uh, you, you, you know, people knew that you were a, a Jesus follower. Is, is that the case anymore? Like, like I don't know. There might be some tests you could, you could maybe you could go to work and, and you could ask people. You could, do you know what I believe? Or maybe the, at school, maybe you could, maybe there's some teachers that you have or some students that you hang out with or your dorm or whatever. And maybe, maybe you could ask the people like, do you know what? Uh, what my beliefs are, uh, maybe a test. If, if nobody knows you're a Christian, could that be a sign that maybe you, you need to wake up? Or if I went to, maybe, maybe you come to my, the people I know, and, and you, maybe you ask them the question, uh, Jerron says he's a Christian. Is there any proof there? Jerron says he's a follower of Jesus. Is there a, can you give any testimony or ev any evidence that he is really following Jesus? It, it, has Jerron recently done any acts of love for anybody that you know of? 
has drawn, stepped out in faith, believing the promise of God and trusting and uh, obeying God and believing God's promise? Has he, has he done any of that? Has drawn mentioned Jesus in your whole uh, three years of knowing him at all? Has he, has he invited you to church? Has he, has he talked to you about Jesus at all or, or not? Is there any evidence that Jerron is really a follower of Christ? Maybe, maybe try that. Ask your, your family if, if they think you're a Jesus follower or if you've fallen away. Ask your coworkers if they think that you are living for Jesus or you're living for something else. Maybe it might surprise you. Maybe they'll say, yeah, absolutely, John loves Jesus. He does this, he does that. Uh, or it might be surprising. Yeah, I, I don't know what John believes. I've worked with him so long, and, and we've been side by side on hunting trips, and I just, I don't know if he, if he, if he even knows Jesus. Uh, here's here's uh, Jesus' command. He says, remember what you started with, what you received and heard. Now keep it. Come back to it. The exhortation is now live by faith. Now walk in the ways you were taught. Stop living in worldly ways. Stop living by worldly values. Live for me again. And the, the repent there, it's, it's like an urgent command. It's like repent. Like right now. Before it's too late. What do you mean? Well, he moves on from, you know, the, 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 the commendation was, well, you used to have a reputation. That's the best thing he could say. It's really a commendation, a, 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 a kind of a put down. Uh, you, you, there's nothing to cheer about this church. There's nothing to cheer about their, their way of life other than a few people who haven't soiled their garments, which is a strange statement. Uh, and I should explain the background of that. G again, Jesus knows their perspective. He knows what they're going through. In Sardis, one of the main industries was uh, working with wool. They would make wool garments, uh, famous wool garments that they would sell. And, and of course, you're not going to sell. You're not going to make money off of stained garments or soiled garments, right? And so he's using that as a picture, as an analogy, like... You guys are, that's kind of your life in so many ways is, is selling these garments that are beautiful and, and, and it would be terrible to try to, to, to have, sell something that was stained or whatever. And he's using that as an analogy. What, what about your life? You, you, you're living in sin instead of righteousness, instead of holiness. Uh, so Jesus comes to him and he says, repent. Like if, if you've you know, maybe you drift away, but some of you are, are choosing to live in sin. Some of you are choosing to live in evil. Some of you, you know, like we look around and in the church today, um, the catastrophe of sexual sin. Uh, we, we talk about it a lot because it's, it's so in our face because the sex god is so worshipped in our, in our society. But we look around and, and, and we hear of another person like, well, the world, like everyone... Prices are so high with rent, and let's just live together. And, and, uh, and people go, yeah, why should I suffer? Why, why, should, why should I have to uh, you know, live in this dump when I could move in with my girlfriend and we could have a better place? Jesus will understand. You know, kind of a capitulation. And that happens in so many ways. A choosing of sin. But if that's you, whatever it is, if you're cheating on your taxes because everyone cheats on their taxes, if you're stealing at work because everyone steals from work, or if you're ripping off your customers because everyone rips off their customers, repent. Start living for Jesus. Start living as a Jesus person. Do you have the name, the character of Jesus, the, the values of Jesus, the, the hope of Jesus? Or do you just have a reputation of being a Jesus person? The church in Sardis, he's calling them out. But the big emphasis is turn around, forsake those evil ways. Forsake your wickedness and come back to the Lord. Forsake your worldliness. Repent, leave it behind, make a turn. Come back to me. Isn't that grace? Isn't that great? That uh, the love of Jesus... Uh, maybe you've been a prodigal son or prodigal daughter. You've been living in a pig pen for a while, trying to get scraps from the world, and you realize that you need to come back to Jesus. Here's your invitation. Come back to the Lord. Repent. Start living for Him again. 
his, 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 his word here, there's, there is some warning, but there's some promises as well. He says, if you will not wake up, again, that, that controlling metaphor, that controlling idea, be alert, be watchful. If you don't come back, I'll come like a thief. You'll not know what hour I'll come against you. In many contexts, that, that thief metaphor, that thief imagery, it's used about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here, it's not so much about the second coming of Christ, but Jesus is saying, hey, Sardis Church, if you keep living apart from me, even though you say you're mine, one of these days I'm going to show up when you least expect it, and I'm going to kill the church. I'm going to end the church. I'm going to put it out of business. I, I, I look, at, I look at around the, the, the United States of America right now, and I see worldly churches. I see churches that have denied the word of God, who are uh, purposely and willingly choosing not to obey the commandments of Scripture, and yet they claim to worship Jesus. I look at those churches, like, what are you doing? Uh, the, the word of God says that I'm going to come against you as a thief. Uh, in the, it's a strange metaphor, but... If you knew what time the thief would come, was coming, you'd prepare, right? You'd turn the lights on. You'd, 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 out, all the outdoor lights, you'd be prepared to, to stand against the thief. And so Jesus is using that like, I'm coming when you don't expect it. Second coming, but to the church in Sardis, um, you think that this, this institution is going to go on forever. I mean, you paid for the building. I mean, you're, you're paying the bills. You think it's just going to go on in perpetuity? Absolutely not. I'm going I'm to put it out of business because it's, it's an insult to my name, my holy name. And we, we look at this and like, well, is he talking about individuals too? Uh, I, I'm a strong believer that you are not saved by your works. I think the Bible teaches very clearly that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. We're not saved by our goodness or our merit, merit or our efforts and so I believe that since we're saved by grace, we can't lose our salvation by our works. Because we weren't saved by our works in the first place. We're only saved by the works of Jesus. So I'm a big, strong, I'm a strong believer that we're, that we're secure in Christ, that if you've come to Christ, that you're going to stay saved. Eternal security, um, not based upon what we do, but on what Jesus did. Uh, so when, it, when I read this, this text, it's, I don't think it's saying like, hey, I'm going to come and you're going to lose your salvation. But Jesus does come and discipline those whom he loves. Uh, there's been incidents like, like Pete spoke of the Lord's Supper, that, that, that kind of section he quoted. Like there's people in Corinth who are dying at the Lord's Supper because they came in sin. <laughs> they got sick and they died because they were living an immoral life. Before the Lord, and they came with the wrong attitude towards the table, selfishly working evil. So God can, and there's other places where God took people out. Um, it was maybe in His economy, the way He thought of things, it was better for them, for Him to take them home out of this world than let them go on sinning and being a false witness to the world. So it's a it's a warning. It's it's a real warning. You can't you can't play with the Lord. You can't you can't manipulate God. You can't. <laughs> can't go on forever being a pretender or a fraud or a fake. Man, but you're, if you're in Jesus, repent. Come back to him. Show the genuineness of your faith by returning to him. And look at the promises. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. I'll never blot out his name in the book of life. I'll confess his name before my father, before his angels. There's, there's three kind of promises there. Uh, in the Roman, the Roman Empire, oftentimes uh, uh, when a victorious uh, battle was won and you came back into the city, there would be this walk, this, this march of victory. Jesus says in the second coming, you, you walk with me now, you're faithful to me now, you overcome, you conquer now. You, you, don't, you don't stop walking with me, you don't start living, stop living with me. You, you stay faithful to the very end. When I come back, you're going to have this victory march with me. Uh, the victory march, oftentimes this garment of white, again, the garment industry in Sardis was a big deal. And so he's playing off of that. Uh, the garments of white... Uh, it's a picture of justification, of being declared righteous by God. When you place your faith in Jesus, man, it's like you become this, this, this in God's sight, pure and holy. 
And so the, the play there is like in the Roman Empire, uh, sometimes the citizens, as the victory, victory march came in, in the town with the emperor, sometimes they'd wear white robes in certain places. So Jesus said, imagine that. When I come back, you stay faithful to me. You're going to walk with me in victory. The second coming of Christ. We don't understand what it all means, but it's, it's an overcoming. The, the, the victory, the power of overcoming sin and staying faithful to the very end to Jesus it's going to play out wonderfully for those who do. I'll never blot out his name for the book of life. Uh, the book of life is a fascinating subject. There's, there's many references in the Old Testament and New Testament to the book written. Um, I, I, I won't go into all those today. Uh, we'll get more into the book of Revelation here where it talks about there's some who've been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Uh, real, again, a picture of a security in Christ which is beautiful and wonderful. Uh, but, it, but in some Roman cities, uh, they would keep a registry of the names of the citizens. They'd, you know, Jerron's a citizen of Sardis, and so his name's in the, 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 the rolls of the city. The, 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 the citizenship contains Jerron's name. If I died in, in one of those cities, if I died in Sardis, or if I committed some kind of capital crime, uh, they'd take that, that, they'd blot out the, the name, the ink, in our terms, they'd erase the name. But Jesus promises you, O Christian, that he'll never blot your name out. He'll never erase your name. You're safe with him. Keep going with him. Keep walking with him. Overcome. It's a solid promise. It's a secure promise. And the third one, I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. What a great thing that is. Imagine if you're the courtroom of God, so to speak, and God says, hey, Jesus, is, is, is that, you know, theoretically, it's, it's an imagery that's used. Of course, the Father knows. But is Jesus one of yours? Uh, is John one of yours, Jesus? And he'll say, yeah, he's got my name. Again, he's shown my character. He's shown my love. He's shown my, my values in his life. He's of the name of Jesus. I confess that. And what a thing, like, yeah. Um, there are some warnings in the Gospels about Jesus. Hey, don't deny my name. A, a, a categorical rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. If you deny my name before people, I'm going to deny your name before the Father in heaven and before his angels. But here there's this promise. I will confess your name before his angels, before the Father. A, a statement of security and safety Forever part of the people of God. What a promise. So again, we're here today, and, and man, I'm assuming that you are walking with Jesus. Maybe it's, maybe it's been a little faulty or a little rickety. Maybe you got sidetracked a little bit. I'm assuming that you're, you're living for Jesus today. Maybe business has been crazy and you've been distracted. I'm assuming that you're living for Jesus. Maybe, maybe you had something bad happen in your life and you got mad at God for a while and you walked away. Or, or something took place and, and you didn't understand what God was doing and, and you, well, I'm not going to worship him if he's not going to help me with this or that. And you, you know, you got sidetracked. You, got, you threw your little temper tantrum, but now you're walking with him again. Jesus says, uh, man, it, don't stay where you are. Don't stay disobedient. Don't stay worldly. Don't stay wicked. Don't stay evil. Come back even today. Do whatever you need to do to repent and come back and walk with me in faith. Be my faithful servant again. Be, be my worshiper again. You'll never regret it. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Those who are born again, those who are alive in Christ, those who can hear this message, respond to it. Repent, follow Jesus again, is the commandment of our Lord. May that be us. And if there's anybody that we know in our family, in our community, our friends that are not here, it's called for us to pray for them, to ask the Lord of the harvest to bring them back into his fold. Church, would you please rise in his presence?
Lord God, I, I pray for myself. I pray for us. Lord, uh, you know that we're prone to wander, that we are sheep, that sometimes we get distracted or we get overly uh, consumed with something that we're chasing. Lord, we ask that you would, by your grace, keep us. We ask that by your grace, you'd hold us. By your grace, you'd keep us walking with you. God Almighty, protect us from the evil one. Protect us from the enemies of our soul. Protect us though, from those who would tempt us away from you. Lord, if, if you find us today, if there's, if there's some, some way or some, some uh, way of thinking today or, or some way of living that we're in, that we're, we're just not walking with you or not faithful to you or, or we're living in disobedience, Lord, show us what that is and, and give us the grace. Give us the, the, the power to repent. You send your spirit into our life again. Holy Spirit, speak and, and, and guide us into truth again. Lord, but please let us be a people, Lord, that whatever comes, we don't know what's coming in this crazy world. We don't know what we're going to face in the days ahead. We ask that you, even right now, give us the the solemnity of mind, the, the fortitude of mind to choose you and to choose to follow you no matter what. And give us the grace, Lord, to walk with you faithfully, even in the dark. And to you be all praise and all glory and all honor, Lord. If we're going to get to heaven, it's only by you. If we're going to be found in your kingdom, it's only by you. If we're going to be your people, praise forever, walking in white, it's only by you. So we worship you today for what you've done, what you've kept us from, what you've protected us from, what you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Send us out now in the world as your witnesses, as your servants. Send us out now as a people that uh, are all about you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.